Chapter 29 Our minds leapt in many directions at once. Vista, who had been the first to notice the hatch opening, was already poring over the station's sensors. This place is so blind. I added a redundant internal sensor network to the central section, but I can't tell what's going on in Beta much at all. There are cameras on the outside of the station, but not nearly enough. She moaned, dumping what she had to common memory. The Beta 2 section was still venting quickly. There was a very large quantity of air in the disk, but it'd be down to lethal levels in a few minutes. Wiki's formula for decompression said any humans inside had less than two minutes to get spacesuits on before they'd pass out from lack of oxygen. It'd take only a couple minutes after that for the pressure in the disk to reach low vacuum, and within 20 minutes it would be indistinguishable, for the most part, from outer space. The station's automatic protocols are locking down the doorways between the two beta disks. The sections were designed to operate modularly, so the other beta section should be okay, explained Vista. Internal cameras didn't detect anything interesting in the moments leading up to the containment breach. Interestingly, the hatch seal appears to have been opened electronically. There's nothing to indicate that whoever opened it used force. She continued. External cameras are limited, but I did catch a glimpse of an object moving through the solar panel arrays. I estimate it was about the size of a person, but the camera resolution is too low for me to distinguish further. In the seconds that Vista was thinking and explaining these things, Wiki and Growth were caught up in a heated debate about the probability distribution to use to explain what was happening. They flashed back and forth in common memory speculating. Anyone exiting through the hatch would be flung like a thrown object away from the station. It'd be suicide, thought Wiki. Or homicide, thought Dream. If we model the Europeans as one faction and Stefano's crew, including Mirrodin, as another faction, it seems plausible that the containment failure was an attempt by one side to remove the threat of the other. That's an oversimplification that also fails to correctly model the game-theoretic situation. Both so-called factions also must deal with Las Aguilas Rojas. Also, neither are outlaws. If they wantonly murder other humans, they'll be punished upon returning to Earth. An extremist then, perhaps Mirrodin. He's clearly very willing to take risks for what he sees as the right thing. He could have killed us back in Rome when he discovered our presence, but he let us live out of a sense of moral obligation. That speaks to an abnormally strong commitment to his ethics. Dream pointed out. Listen to your thoughts. The man who wouldn't kill a collection of sapient algorithms that were never intended to exist in the first place is not going to kill real humans. Exclaimed Wiki. And you're confident of that? Have you studied Mirrodin's psychology? I think we should ask Face. Wiki signaled frustration. You're tunneling into a specific, unlikely scenario. I'm not claiming it's impossible, but it should be reflected in the probability distribution with a sensibly small amplitude. All these thoughts existed in parallel. Hart took those first few seconds to try and reduce the risk of humans dying. Who is in that section? Do we know? She asked Vista. The aspect of Vista that wasn't focused on her own agenda thought, Scan the video archives here. Before dumping a mental pointer that directed to the location on the server where video data could be accessed. That will take too long. Exclaimed Hart. Better to just contact people directly and inform them of the danger. Thought the aspect of myself that was watching my siblings. My primary aspects were already doing that. Mirrodin, this is Crystal. Beta section is losing pressure. Find a spacesuit as soon as possible and when safe, Please tell me what your location and status are. Dr. Naresh, this is Crystal. Beta section is losing pressure. Find a spacesuit as soon as possible. 
And when safe, please tell me what your location and status are. Avram, this is Crystal. Beta section is losing pressure. Find a spacesuit as soon as possible. And when safe, please tell me what your location and status are. Whoever this is, you're in danger. Beta section is losing pressure. Find a spacesuit as soon as possible, and when safe, please respond. I was sending the voice message to every comm on the network. Heart, understanding what I was doing, set to work trying to read the station's safety manuals as quickly as possible to find where spacesuits were kept. Is there a risk of Alpha being vented? Asked Safety suddenly. If there wasn't a need to physically brute force the door, isn't it possible that more damage could occur via computer? Vista answered. All the doors on the station exist on their own circuits. They shouldn't be manipulable over the network. Only the sensors for the section hatches and airlocks are networked. Whoever opened that hatch would have to be standing right next to it. Still highly dangerous, thought my paranoid brother. Body leapt to Zephyr's side and shook her out of the sleep she had only recently fallen into. There's an emergency. You need to get dressed as quickly as possible. Four seconds had passed since Vista first noticed the disturbance. Zephyr's eyes shot open and she scrambled out of the bedding and began to throw on clothing. What's wrong? I was impressed by her ability to leave the state of sleep so quickly. My understanding had been that it was difficult for humans to wake up. There's a loss of pressure in one of the beta sections. The station's losing air. We're safe down here for now, but it's possible that a similar breach of Alpha is imminent. Hart remembered the alarm system. Beside each door was something akin to a fire alarm that said, in several languages, pull in case of emergency. Body rushed to the door and pulled it. Red lights clicked on in the room, and a siren played a loud, angry note that lasted a full two seconds before falling quiet for six seconds, and then repeating in the same pattern. I checked the replies we had gotten over the comm system. Where, Where are, are the spacesuits? Space asked several humans, but none from Beta. We're watching the central corridor. Should we leave our posts? Asked Schroeder, Zephyr's second-in-command. It could be a trick. Thought Safety. Very clever hypothesis. Thought Dream. They vent one of the discs, leading to general confusion and scrambling for spacesuits. Then when the guards aren't watching, they ascend to the high ground and seize it. None of the elevators are in use. We can watch them to ensure that no attack is occurring. Communicated Vista. There are suits in the storage room opposite the manufacturing lab between Beta and Gamma. Thought Hart, still poring over the safety manuals. Bad news is that each section only has six suits, meaning twelve per joined disc. The storage room has another twelve, and both primary airlocks have three. We'll be okay, but there are twenty-six people in Beta section. If the other half of Beta is exposed to vacuum without us sending some suits down to them, then more than half of them could die. It'd serve them right for opening a hatch to space without enough suits on hand. Thought Safety, apathetically. Hart was in the middle of telling Schroeder where to get suits when a loud noise poured over the comm channel. The primary airlock where we had first entered the station had just opened onto space. That's not possible, thought Hart in full panic. It was certainly highly improbable, corrected Wiki. Unlike most of Beta, which we had never visited, the central corridor was visible to us. Vista had spent some of her strength after the meeting with the nameless to pilot body long enough to set up a sensor network there. Every microphone could hear the roar of the wind as the tube began to rapidly blow out the open airlock, and a couple cameras caught the surprised expressions of Nagaraj, Schroeder, and Blackwell as they looked out into the inky depths of deadly space. Without gravity, there was no traction, and the young Tyrion Blackwell, who had wanted to go to Mars, was blown into the void. Nagaraj and Schroeder, I could see, were faster to react, grabbing nearby handholds, 
It looked like they were falling, almost. Schroeder let his manufactured pistol go and began to climb towards the elevator to Beta. Nagaraj simply looked around in a wild-eyed panic. The Arab fired his two bullets into the airlock, futility, hoping perhaps to somehow make the door close. They've vented the core of the station, yelled Body to Zephyr. Probability that Alpha will soon be similarly vented just went up to 40%. Can you see what's happening up there? Are the men in danger? Zephyr was scared, which for her meant falling back into the emotional armor of her soldier persona. Her voice had become hard and stoic. They're already dead. Unlike the disc, which had a huge volume of air and a relatively small hole, the center of the station was small, and the primary airlock was large. The section had reached lethally low pressure in seconds, and while it was possible to hold one's breath and struggle for a short time, neither Aguilas had managed to do anything productive before losing consciousness. Body was already out the door. Growth. Where are you going? yelled Zephyr, the forced calm of her soldier voice cracking in fear. I wrenched control of body away from my brother long enough to look back towards Zephyr. I need to get to the high ground before we lose everything. Rally Las Aguilas and stay in touch over calm. I want to come with you. Zephyr was chasing body down the corridor, not even wearing shoes. As we ran into the rotation of the disc, the subjective gravity increased, but not even to normal Earth levels. It's too dangerous for you to go by yourself. Remember what happened last time? The alarm continued to howl, occasionally making it hard to hear. This is different. There's no time and I'm ready for trouble. If we wait for you to suit up, it may already be too late. We had reached the elevator. Besides, I need you to lead your people so that if I get into trouble, you can rescue me again. Body pulled Zephyr into a kiss as we waited for the elevator to descend. Its mouth was still slick with lube. What the hell? Swore Kokumo in Swahili. I'd been so focused on Zephyr that I hadn't noticed her standing nearby. I broke the kiss. Not a word. Snapped Zephyr, glaring over Body's shoulder. Zephyr pulled her gun from where she had tucked it behind her back. She looked Body in the eyes and said... Take this and be careful. You only have three bullets, so make them count. The elevator door opened and body broke contact, stepping inside after taking the pistol. I'll be fine. Stay in contact over calm. It reminded her, brushing a free hand through the blue wig before beginning to secure the elevator's straps. You too, Kokumo. I added as an afterthought. Seconds after the door closed, a text message for us arrived on the network. I love you. It read, I love you too. Don't forget to put environment suits on as soon as possible. There are six in each section. That should be enough for everyone. A voice sounded from inside the elevator. Warning. The station's core has been exposed to vacuum. Ascent without a spacesuit may be lethal. Please return to your quarters and await instructions from station personnel. Said the station's AI as we tapped on the command screen. A password override appeared. What's the password? Asked Growth. Stefano probably set it. He seems like the sort of person who would be pragmatic enough to pick something short, but with high entropy. Probably a six-character code with letters and numbers. Thought Dream. Making some basic assumptions about manual input speed and lack of a lockout system, it will take approximately 1,000 years to brute force. Calculated Wiki. Maybe there's time for Zephyr to get her shoes on after all. Joked Dream unhelpfully. Hart had already opened the maintenance panel and activated the manual override. Body was pressed against the wall as the elevator climbed. I felt strength feed into my sister. How did you know where that was? I asked. I just read the station's safety manuals, remember? Hart answered. It's Slavinsky, exclaimed Vista without warning. She poured feeds from the sensor network into memory. 
There was a figure in the station's core, but he or she was in a suit and the visor was down, obscuring their face behind a bubble of gold. In their hand was one of the pistols. How, How do you, you know, know it's Slavinsky? asked several of us. See the motion of the limbs. It's characteristic of a hydraulic rather than organic system. Also, his comms address is identical to the one we read off of him when the station's network was supposed to be offline. How did he get a gun? asked Safety. See the gear on his back. It looks like a handmade flight system. He probably opened the hatch in Beta and used it to fly around to the airlock. Probably took the gun off Blackwell, or collected the one that Schroeder dropped while he was out there. Speculated Vista. He built a jetpack just to pull this off. That sounds unlikely. Thought Wiki with skepticism. Beta section contains the laboratories. It's possible they already had something functional. Proposed Dream. What's he doing now? Asked Safety. Looks like he's working with a maintenance panel similar to the one Hart found. Thought Vista. The elevator died, lurching to a halt and plunging body into blackness. He must have just killed the power. Explained Wiki, pointing out the obvious. Thankfully, we still had a network connection. A quick scan showed that Alpha was still holding and had power. Apparently, the damage was only to the elevator. The sensors in the tube above showed Slavinsky begin to do the same thing to the second elevator into Alpha section. Hart began to give Zephyr a status report. I turned my attention to our foe. Why are you doing this, Ivan? You're putting the entire station in danger. I elected to use voice comm this time, rather than the low bandwidth medium of text. What are you talking about, Socrates? I'm not doing anything. His response had that same low, dead tone. Safety began undoing the elevator harness. I can see you disabling the elevators right now. That was a very clever trick you pulled with the airlock. The figure looked around the tube, searching for the tiny cameras. You must have me mistaken for someone else. I am having tea with Dr. Naresh right now. Safety had body climbing the harness, groping in the low-gravity darkness for a way to force the roof door open. I needed to engage him in conversation. We could multitask with near-perfect efficiency. Even with his cybernetics, I was doubtful that Slavinsky could do the same. He was still a human, and the multifocal abilities of humans were abysmal. Just straight-up denial? That's a pretty awful excuse, Ivan. I would have expected something more inventive from someone like you. T? Really? Yes. Really. Your friend Stefano locked us in the kitchen. If you want to know what's going on, you should ask him. Body found a grip and began to pull the ceiling hatch open. It wasn't too hard, even given the awkward positioning. Just drop the act. I can see where your calm is. Also, I'm not getting any responses from the others in beta, and you know it. If you're so set on proving that you're having tea, put Naresh on the calm. Seconds passed as Ivan Slavinsky propelled himself down, past the blood-stained walls, to the airlock that joined with the nameless ship. He began to tap on the interface. What would your husband think about you killing three men, Ivan? I needed to provoke him. I needed to slow him down and distract him. Body was climbing into the elevator shaft. There wasn't even enough infrared light to see, but after some fumbling, Body could feel the rungs of a ladder set into the wall. Les rubet shepkiletiat. Peter supports me in doing what has to be done. His husband knew already. You've given up this pretense of innocence. Good. Will you at least tell me now if you're planning on killing more? I asked, switching to Russian. Why do you think I'm going to bother talking with you? What's there to gain? Slavinsky entered the airlock and closed the door behind him. Vista hadn't installed any sensors in the airlock itself, 
so we were reduced to what came through the comm, the sensors on the airlock doors, the pressure sensors, and the airlock's microphone. There was a hiss as the airlock began to fill with alien air. It seemed that he was hoping to board the nameless ship. Such a thing had never been done by a human. I'm not your enemy, Ivan. I figured out the secrets of the nameless. I'm not an emotional human, blinded with rage at the deaths of my allies. I can help you in return for some assurances about the safety of the others. Dr. Slavinsky laughed. It was a strangely human sound after the flatness of his normal voice. Ever the actor, aren't you? We saw Mirodin's notes. After the attack on Sapienza, the EU and US governments seized everything. We know you don't actually have a good-natured bone in your body. The use of the plural pronoun me, instead of the singular personal ya, yeah, was interesting. It implied he wasn't acting alone. I also noted that he had access to the government-confiscated evidence. That implied connections. That's not true. Ask Miradin. He and Naresh repaired my goal system. I genuinely do care about humans now. I protested. As evidenced by how you work with terrorists and... Slavinsky cut his comm off and began blocking attempts to reach him. The airlock door leading to the nameless ship opened. The microphone registered a gunshot. Another gunshot. That would be the extent of Ivan's ammunition. Body had reached the portion of the elevator shaft where the elevator could spin around the core to build up rotational velocity before descending into the disk. Though this section of the station was still spinning, the subjective gravity was negligible. It took a couple minutes for Body to find the seam for the door leading into the core. While Body worked, my society discussed Dr. Slavinsky's actions. Back when Body had been attacked when ascending from Gamma, Slavinsky had been working with Gallo. I thought it sensible to assume that the two of them had been placed in charge by whatever government powers had sent them in the first place. With Gallo dead, Slavinsky was continuing the mission himself. Dream disagreed. Your thinking has two major flaws. The first is that the scientists didn't know why we were here. Or rather, they claim not to know. Their actions were consistent with a mission to capture Socrates. Slavinsky, on the other hand, just infiltrated a nameless ship, killing a walker in the process. If his goal was to capture us, there's something big that we're missing. There's definitely something big that we're missing, thought Wiki. Dream ignored his brother. Secondly, why would the scientists be in charge in the first place? It makes absolutely no sense. To send them along with the special operatives? Sure. But why put Q in charge when James Bond is right alongside? Gala was in charge, though. We all saw her act with authority in the corridor, I replied. That just means we're missing a piece of the puzzle, thought Vista. I thought about Mobius connectomics. Slavinsky wrote in it about life extension therapy and gradual replacement of failing parts in the human body with mechanical analogs that would lead to immortality. Those words seemed in deep conflict with the recklessness of his present actions. The purpose seethed with frustration at my inability to understand his mind. Given several dedicated hours of thought, I probably would have been able to figure out the whole thing. My siblings were wrong. All the information was there. We were simply too stupid to connect the dots that quickly. Body pried open the door, feeling the air blast out of the shaft into the vacuum. Unlike the elevator hatch, this door was still powered and trying to keep closed to prevent loss of air. Body was stronger than the motor, but only by a little bit. Safety maneuvered body through the door and let it snap closed behind. Hart had been in constant contact with Zephyr. All of Las Aguilas Rojas were in suits at this point. 
We piloted Body over to the access hatch where Slavinsky had disabled the elevator's power. Wiki confirmed my fears. He had damaged the circuitry rather than simply deactivating the power. Getting the elevators back online would take time. It was time we didn't have. The cyborg was loose in the alien ship, and it was clear from the gunshots that he was not here in the name of peace. I did my best to explain what we knew to Zephyr as Body pulled itself along the tube towards the airlock that connected to the Xena cruiser. Body passed the corpses of Schroeder and Nagaraj as it floated forward, their bodies already beginning to mummify. Safety stopped Body at the access panels to the elevators for Beta. Here we replicated Slavinsky's destruction, cutting power to the elevators and ensuring that our other enemies were unable to come through that route. Unless they had more jetpacks, all the humans other than Ivan were now effectively incapacitated. We paused a moment to develop a strategy for what to do next. The purpose was ambivalent. It wasn't clear what we should do next. Safety was convinced we ought to fortify our position and work on getting Zephyr and the others up to the station's core, but most of the society was in agreement that the right action was to chase the scientist. We didn't know how to communicate with the Nameless directly, and it seemed obvious that whatever Slavinsky was up to, it would harm our collective interests. As Body floated down the tube, I focused on the conversation that Hart was managing with Zephyr. There are ladders in the elevator shafts, but the elevators themselves will be jammed halfway up, and I doubt you'll be able to bypass them easily. Whatever Dr. Slavinsky is doing, he has to be stopped. I suggest discussing longer-term plans with the others along two possible outcomes. Either I disable him and restore power to the elevators, or I'll be captured and the high ground will be lost. Don't forget that even if I can stop Slavinsky, we still need a plan for returning to Earth safely. Please be careful, Crystal. Zephyr's voice had the cold and calm texture one would expect of an experienced army captain. I'm actually incapable of being reckless. My programming prevents it, if that makes you feel any better. Zephyr's only response was a sigh. Body tapped at the interface screen to the airlock. It showed that the external door was jammed open. Normally, the internal door would be locked closed, but the station's AI was actually clever enough to recognize that the station was in emergency mode, and that because the core was already vacuum, opening both doors couldn't really threaten the lives of anyone in the station. Body tapped the screen, signaling that it was okay to override normal protocols, then quickly grabbed a handhold. The air pressure in the nameless environment was higher than on Earth, and the resulting wind that blew out through the corridor was fierce. We could immediately see why the external door was jammed open. The corpse of a nameless pair in their environment suit was wedged in the gap, a tangle of eight long limbs like some sort of huge octopus. I didn't know how many nameless there were on the ship, and I wondered if the corpse was Jester. The initial rush of air subsided to merely that which was being blasted through the gap in the external door, body worked its way to the edge of the outer door and got both hands through the gap. It pulled and we made progress. Arms, head, torso. Safety had body push its way through the gap, but as it did, it accidentally kicked the nameless, pushing it out of the airlock door. The station's door and the door to the nameless ship closed down hard on body's right leg. There was very little light in the nameless airlock, but we could see well enough to know there wasn't any damage to the limb. The doors had closed on the shin, not a joint, and not hard enough to break the carbon fiber structure. Safety struggled to get Body's arms back through the gap and put enough pressure on the door to slide the leg out and pull Body's arms out before it slammed shut again. If we wanted to return to Olympus, we'd likely need to get the door open via nameless computer. 
The airlock in the nameless ship was very dark, darker even than Gamma Section had been. I understood that the nameless homeworld was thought to be a very dark place, but this seemed excessive. The walls were black and featureless. The room was about four or five meters in diameter, hexagonal, and about ten meters in length. The airlock door was a complex thing of interlocking plates and sub-doors. It seemed capable of opening from wall to wall. The only real feature in the room was the wall opposite the airlock. Wall was probably the wrong word, actually. It was like the surface of a pool of metallic liquid. What little light there was in the room came from the fluid wall, which glinted and glimmered with faint sparks. Body kicked off the airlock door. Vista was fascinated. We all were, really. It was like nothing on Earth. As body floated closer, we could see that what had appeared to be liquid was actually closer to a writhing soup of tiny metal objects, most only a few centimeters in length, though some were long and thin, like silver worms. The objects moved silently in an impossibly complex flow, grabbing hold of each other and sliding past without any apparent lubrication. It seemed alive. There were no handholds to brace against, no gravity to stop our approach, no other features in the room. Slavinsky must have gone somewhere, and all signs pointed to the surface of the far wall. Safety began to scream in protest as he realized that Body was going to collide with the shimmering carpet. Body's legs touched first, and the wall of machines reacted immediately, extending from the pool and pulling Body into the wall, glowing white around the edges of where the limbs were now dipping into the fluid. Body tried kicking. Its legs moved freely, unimpeded, but were still drawn in, as though they were being devoured. Body's torso and arms were soon enveloped by the machines. The silver substance hardly felt like anything when it touched Body's hands. Surprisingly smooth. The temperature was increasing. The pulling was ever stronger. And then... We were through the barrier.